We're back again with another flight night. It's good to have the full crew back. I think it's been a long, long time, too long to be exact. We've got the full crew, like I said. We'll go around the corner like I can see him. We got Chris, who's better known as Jeff the Rabbit on Instagram. Chris, welcome back. Hey, glad to be back. We also have Ariella, or A, better known as Influenski on Instagram. A, welcome back as well. Thank you. And last but not least, the man that got this going again, because he had to ask a question. <laughs> Damon or D, better known as VA Bourbon Hunter. D, thanks for you know pushing me in the right direction. <laughs> hey, no problem, man. I just love uh, sampling bourbon, you know. <laughs> Agreed. And joining us for our flight night from Limestone Branch, he's a seventh generation distiller. Is that correct? And also the master distiller out there at Limestone Branch, Stephen Beam. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And yes, that is correct. Seven generations. So. That, that is wild. And we'll, we'll get into that generation and, and that lineage here in a little bit. But I figure we'll get right into the drinking because we all enjoy a good taste. And we'll start off with a little Yellowstone Select. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'll kind of overlap a little bit with what we're going to talk about in the, a, little, a little bit later on. But so when we first got the brand back into the family uh, in 2015 is when we brought Yellowstone back. Uh, I was tasked with formulating, you know, a bourbon that we would uh, be sold around the country. And uh, so we took what the, from the stocks that we had and I blended a four and seven year old bourbons. So it's, uh, not four, two, seven. It's actually four-year-old, seven-year-old bourbon. And uh, I chose that because the four-year-old, uh, I think, is a, a little bit young, a little bit aggressive, but it stand, makes it stand up really nicely in a cocktail. And then the seven gives you, you know, some body, some depth, and then, of course, a, a finish that you can't get from a younger bourbon as well. So, uh, yeah, so that's the formulation that I came up with, 93 proof, and it's been our flagship since 2015. Was there a specific proof range you were trying to shoot for, or is that just what it came out to be? I, I, that's a great question, and um, it is what it came out to be, because of the testing, we tested everything. I don't, I don't like really to go below 90. I don't see it. But uh, uh, so we tested from 90 up to just over 100 and 93 is where this worked for me the best just to right out of the bottle to drink it neat or just a, a couple of drops of water 93 worked really well. Um, we had, when we first introduced it back in 2015 it went out to the sales force the Luxco sales force and everybody said oh it's great. But it has to be 100 proof. Everybody wants 100 proof bourbon right now. And I said, well, let me take a look at it again. So I, I went back and redid it, retasted it through the proofs. And I was like, nope, this is this bourbon works at 93. So th that's where it's going to stay. So um, it's been 93 since, you know, for the last seven years. This is a, uh, a super interesting pour. It's like right off the bat, it's like, I don't know if anyone else gets, but I get like strong honey, like right, like the, the super like initial sip. And then like, I can't tell, like, I can't tell if it's like drinking 
like like above its proof, like almost like it drinks like almost like a hundred proof, or is, is it is it a high rye mash bill? It is. It's well, it's on the cusp. Okay, on the cusp of high rye, it's thirteen percent rye. Got it. So you know, high rye is probably fifteen percent or right around there. So it's right on that cusp of of high rye. Yeah, definitely lingers. Uh, I love I love the I love the front palate and the back. Like it, like I mean, uh, I, I guess you guys you guys kind of typically have that that spice uh, that I've got. I've had a couple of uh, your your picks. And it's like that spice that lingers all throughout. Like a like it'll it'll keep you going for like two or three minutes. I always enjoy that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely has that signature uh, to me, that signature Yellowstone, because I also have a couple picks already from yeah. Yellowstone, has that signature uh, oakiness, but also that kind of high, kind of rye spice to it. So, but it drinks pretty sweet with the honey. Yeah. It, it's very easy. Yeah. But I see what you mean about it uh, being good for a cocktail. The spice, like I can, I can. This, this could make a real good cocktail. Actually. Yeah, makes a fantastic oh, yeah. old fashioned. Yeah, that's, that's what I was oh, just yeah. thinking. <laughs> now, you now probably you... doesn't don't need the sugar as well in that old right. fashioned because it's already like sweet yeah. enough. Yeah. Now you kind of touched on this. Yellowstone's been around for a long, long time. The the brand, but you guys just got it back in 2015. Is that correct? How did that go? That's and, correct. And I know Luxco had it. So you guys kind of worked with them. How did that whole process work and you get it back and why was it important to get back? Right. Well, you know, one of the, one of the things when we went into uh, business uh, was to bring back our side of the family and our story uh, and get that known out, get that told, you know, and of course make a great product. But uh, one of my goals are, kind of dreams at that, you know, at that point was kind of to work with getting maybe one of the old brands that our family had worked with back. And um, Yellowstone happened to be a brand that I remember growing up. It was always in our house. Uh, and it actually was from both sides of the family. It was from the bean side uh, my grandfather was master distiller there. There was a bean distiller there until the 1970s. So the, the strong beam influence there, but it was actually founded by Dance, J.W. Dant descendant. And that's my mother's side of the family. So both sides of the family were involved with Yellowstone. So something near and dear to my heart, I always knew it growing up. Uh, and so it was great to be able to get that uh, back into the family. Pretty cool. And it has been, it's, it's been around since 1872. Uh, wow. Bernard Dant, which was J.W. Dant's oldest son, actually had a distillery when they opened the park. They had a salesman, his name was Charles Townsend. He was out traveling west. He came back, he was like, everybody really excited about this new national park. And, uh, you know, we need to brand a brand, a, our, one of our bourbon Jellystone and we'll do really well with it. And so they did, the park was opened in 1872. They branded the bourbon Yellowstone and it's uh, quickly became their number one selling bourbon. And it's been uh, sold continuously since 1872. Got a lot of bourbon to be sold well, I was going to say, when you got it back, too, you, you did another 
reiteration of it. You you kind of it was it kind of gotten a, maybe a put in a little spot, you know, so so to speak, maybe more on the bottom shelf. And you guys have kind of worked your way to elevate it. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, in the 1960s and 70s, it was actually the best-selling bourbon in Kentucky hmm. by far. Oh, wow. It was a huge, huge uh, advantage over the other bourbons. Uh, you know, and then bourbon kind of uh, took it uh, kids and um, Yellowstone took it, you know, on the buffalo, but harder than most and ended up on the bottom shelf. So uh, when we rebranded it, you know, we had to bring it bring the awareness back and the quality back, you know, to, to bring it, to totally redo the, the brand. Uh, fortunately, it had shrunk to just about five states at that time. So uh, it wasn't even known in these markets. So. I, I will say, like hearing you speak and looking at this label, I realized that I automatically assumed that you guys were in Wyoming because it was right. Yellowstone. <laughs> I was realized I've had a couple of picks, and I've realized I never noticed that like they're still in bottle in Kentucky. I, I saw Yellowstone. I was like, oh, okay, wow. Like, that's, I, someone was like, you should do a pick of Yellowstone. I'm like, I'm not going all the way out to Wyoming. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's um, like I said, it's named after the park, and it's always been Kentucky straight bourbon, regardless of, of the owners that it's had. It was sold out of the Dant family in 1944. And picked up by Glenmore, uh, and Glenmore had Kentucky Tavern and Yellowstone. Yellowstone was their number one brand. Uh, they had it until the '90s, and then uh, what became Diageo? It was actually United Distillers at the time had it for a brief moment, um, and right after they bought it, they merged with Guinness, became Diageo, and Diageo was like, "We don't want to have anything to do with this bourbon stuff." Closed the distillery, sold off all the brands, and uh, that's when Luxco picked it up. Yeah, D was a little sad though. He thought we were talking to the people from Yellowstone, the show. I had yeah. to explain that, that was the case. I was hopeful all all the way up until I saw your face. So I, I, <laughs> I, I I'll see if I have a cowboy hat around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, you. The, the Yellowstone Select, you know, you, you've done a few things. You've done like the Landmark Edition, which is still just the main one, but a, a different label. Is that correct? But some proceeds go back to the parks. Is that right? Yes. So it is a it's for the for 150th anniversary this year. That's what we did with for the label. So we have six different scenes from throughout the park on there. Our, our general uh, normal scene is just of the waterfalls and um uh, and we normally give back a dollar fifty per bottle, up to fifty thousand dollars. And then we did uh, this year because of the hundred uh, fiftieth uh, anniversary donated. We added uh, it up to a dollar fifty a bottle, so we upped it uh, there. That, that that is awesome. And now you also you know you have the uh, the minor case rye, which. When I was looking this up, I just assumed that was a fun name for something, you know, minor case, cool. That was a family name, correct? Was that his legit name, like on the birth certificate? Yes, that is his legit, legit name. He went by MC, but his name was Minor oh. Case Bean. And, uh, 
And if you look on the bottle, you see the actually the MC and you'll look in there, you'll see the B in there as well. Yeah. So and that was that came off That's his so cool. old labels. And uh, he um, did it, that was his name. The best we can think uh, is that it was three surnames linked together. And I, I came to that realization when I was I was going through an old cemetery. You know, I go through those sometimes just to see if you can see family names and distillers or anybody in Lebanon where we were. And uh, it was filled with the surname Case and Miners. And I was like, has to be Minor Case put together, you know, either, no, I don't know, minister, doctor, friend, business associate. They're not, from what we can see, any relatives, you know, any of those names in our family history but and I you know I asked my dad I was like what where'd that name come from he said I don't know a strange name and I was like well <laughs> didn't anybody think to ask him while he was still alive where that came from he sounds like he was born to be a criminal <laughs> yeah like an outlaw <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is that where you got your uh, the, the name for your dog as well yes so my dog I have a dog named Case and a dead duck and one named Char. Mm. Char. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Come on, hey, keep up. Sheesh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> She's already had one drink and it's gone. Yeah. It's just not, not going yeah, to be a long night. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about the, the minor case, right? Uh, Sherrycast uh, finish that, that y'all do? Sure. So, you know, minor case that was really important to me as well because that was one of the our first products that we introduced uh in the market and so we wanted to pay tribute to minor case like i said bringing our family back because because he was a very well-known distiller in his day he was the patriarch of the family of that generation and made sure that people uh, put together uh, family reunions and things he was actually jim beam's first cousin that's mm -hmm. how that was and um but he died right after prohibition ended so he never it never got to get back into the business out after prohibition uh so that was our tribute to him and so this is a two-year rye finished in sherry casks it's just it's uh it's actually an all-american product it's actually cream sherry from myers winery in cincinnati and oh, they've been making Iron, that nice. yeah they've been making that uh cream sherry for years and years it was actually uh john f kennedy's favorite after dinner uh drink he'd have the myers 44 cream sherry and it served at uh white house state dinners and things so it has a, a great pedigree but it, it the really worked well with the notes in the the rye and it's a, a lighter rye, 51% rye, 45% corn, and 4% malt. So it's it's already a sweeter, lower rye. And that sherry cast finish gives it those fruit notes that you wouldn't normally find in a rye. And then, uh, yeah, it, leaves, it, it goes very nicely with the spice of, of the rye as well. Yeah, I will say that I am uh, I'm not huge on uh, sherry cast finishes like in general as I haven't really met one that I've enjoyed like a, a ton. But 
you saying it was a, a cream sherry, I think that makes sense because it's like, it's not like, it's not the, the, the sherry isn't so potent, you know, it's like, it really, it's real smoothed out. Gives like a nice sweetness that the rock kind of cuts through. So it's kind of, it's pretty, pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think it's very, uh, it's not overly sweet, but it's got a nice sweetness to it. and Easy to sip on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I got a lot, uh, some rye, I got some bitterness from it, from I think kind of the tannic from the rye. I don't know. This one had that bitterness with the sweetness of the cast finish, I think plays pretty well. That kind of bittersweet, which I don't really usually get from a lot of rye. And it doesn't have a lot of funk either, actually, from the mm -hmm. sherry that you usually get. Like, you right. get like a lot of funk, but not this time, so. So was there being, this being a cream sherry, you know, it's uh, the fresh dumped, you know, right in America, we get the cast right away. Uh, they're actually ex-bourbon barrels. So they take the ex-bourbon barrel, fill it with the sherry. It sit, actually sits outside in the yard in uh, Cincinnati for four to five years. And then they pull it and then we get those barrels back and put the rye in. So it's pretty interesting process did you expect what? to go the straight sherry cask like finish right off the bat with it or were yeah. you playing around with it uh we we had we played with a few other options but the share that sherry worked really well with this so uh that's what that's what we went with uh and you know you were talking about the the that the um it wasn't overpowering or, or real heavy with the sherry. And uh, that's with any of my, any of the things that I use in a finished cask. I think you'll find that I use, try to use a very light hand with uh, the finishes because I don't want it to be about the finish. I want it to just, you know, extend the notes of the, the bourbon or the rye just a little bit uh, and complement, but not to just be about the, whatever the finish was. And what gave you the idea of cream sherry? Like, I, I, and does anyone else do that? Because this, this is the first I've ever heard of no, yeah. cream sherry. I, I don't believe anybody else has done. There are very few ryes that are actually finished, you know, in sherry casts. But uh, no, I think that's the only one. And, uh, you know, when we're thinking about what we're going to uh, finish in, you know, we get a list of, of we know what what we have available and then you start to play with within that realm and you know sometimes you, we go searching for things but uh early on and this was in 2016 you know so pretty early on with us that you know we were just okay this is what's a particular rye yeah i will say like I've, you, you mentioned that you know you but the sherry is overpowered because you, you don't like, like you, that's something you don't want to do. You want that you want it to pretty much carry the notes. I will say for a two year rye, like this does not taste like a two year rye. I, I mm -hmm. guess it might be part partially because of uh, that finish on there. But I mean, it, it, I mean, I would like I would if someone just gave me a four this, I probably would assume it was probably a four year rye. Four, yeah, I was thinking yeah. four. Yeah, yeah, that that the sherry really helps. Uh, smooth the edges you know on, on a younger spirit uh and actually buddy thompson who was the last of glenmore family uh i had the honor of meeting him uh 
few years back and he, he that was one of the things he said he said you know sherry is will really help with the the younger spirit of, he, he was talking about specifically bourbon at that time but you know it works as well with the rye now with with minor case i, I read a story where you all found his yeast jug and then kind of pulled from it like one how does one just randomly find a yeast jug two how do they pull <laughs> from it and then three how do you recreate all of that <laughs> That's, uh, it, yeah. So we're, we're kind of lucky because, you know, in Kentucky, our name is kind of, uh, synonymous with bourbon. So, uh, the, uh, his yeast jug was actually sitting in the Oscar Getz, uh, museum of bourbon and, and, uh, whiskey. So he had, they actually had a little display about, uh, our family and the beans and minor case in particular, and they had his yeast jug there. It was actually my grandfather's as well. And uh, my grand, my uncle were, was a volunteer at the the museum, and he donated several different items, uh, including the yeast jug to the museum uh, to put on display. So it had been sitting there since the 80s uh, after it stopped sitting on his bar in his basement, wow. you know. <laughs> And uh, so I was sitting in the museum and, you know, I had thought, I knew it was there and I had thought, you know, they've, uh, they've sprouted seeds from uh, the pyramids and, you know, Egypt. I just wonder if there's any, anything in that yeast jug that we could use. And uh, fortunately nobody had, you know, washed it out with bleach or anything. So <laughs> it, uh, we, we had it scraped. Originally, I had it, we scraped it and we sent it to a lab, a, a um, yeast lab out in California, and they really weren't uh, able to get much out of it. They couldn't get a, uh, a culture. And so I, got, I had kind of given up on that. And then I was got to talking to uh, Pat Heist. I don't know if you know mm -hmm. Dr. Heist, Dr. Yeast, uh, over at Wilderness uh Yep. trail and uh firm solutions but anyway he's like oh said you you need to let me let me try you need, you need to let us try so i think we can do it and i was like well took me a little bit and i was like okay we'll let you try it so uh took it over there and uh they were able to through some pretty high-tech stuff uh pull the dna out of some of the yeast cells that they had seen and it matched up as a distiller's yeast so uh, we were able to take that then and use that as a format for the the yeast that we use today. So. Oh wow! That now that's history. Yeah, yeah. that's a correct. <laughs> it's like story. we're drinking history. That's awesome. That's a yeah. great story. Yeah. So you know, and that's why when when we were open, we we want to pay tribute to the family and our past, but at the same time, I'm not trying to recreate what was because i don't think that's possible for for uh one thing but we just want to you know we, we use an heirloom uh white corn that was uh popular around the turn of the last century we use the yeast we use traditional methods we don't you know uh, pressure cook we you know open air cook the grain uh so we do you know use traditional methods traditional grains use our traditional yeast and then you know, in our microclimate of our distillery and our stills, 
that's what we use to make what we do today. And what's it like keeping that family legacy going and, you know, kind of throwing it back to, you know, kind of an older style and keeping those traditions going? Oh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Uh, I've enjoyed learning. One thing that's great about Kentucky and the distillers here are they are a wealth of knowledge and willing to share their knowledge, you know, with the exception of just, you know, some very specific things maybe, but they will talk, you know, and, and share their information with you and uh, techniques. And if you have problems or whatever, you can always draw on other uh, distillers in the area and they, they can certainly help you. And so that, that's been a, a real asset. And then, you and know, I don't know uh, if that answered your question or not. A little bit, a little bit. And, you know, <laughs> but I guess we can then kind of that lead, leads me into a little bit of our, our last pour. And, you know, talking about keeping tradition, this is called family recipe. And is this it from an actual family recipe, true family recipe that you found, created, did, and, all, and so forth? Yeah, so that is... Our recipe is our mash bill, the, which is 75, 13, 12 uh, mash bill, uh, rye, you know, rye. Uh, and that is actually six years old, but it's a blend of pretty much everything that we put in the barrel up until, you know, six years ago. Uh, so we blended it all together and, and uh, there, was, there wasn't a lot of uh, leeway, so, <laughs> but... And it is, you know, a uh, so six, and then there's some older years as well, and uh, definitely has a signature of our uh, early early years there at the distillery. I'll be honest; I've had this, this before one. the show, or you know, just because of a few things. This is one of the more unique things I've ever tasted. And I've had others taste it and they've oh, been wow. confused by it as well. <laughs> the nose. Yeah. Smells butter. I, I smell butter. Yeah. It opens up really nicely after about 10 or 15 minutes as well. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I feel like everyone's thinking hard on this one because I did that the first time I ever had this. <laughs> yeah, this is like a um, this is a complicated pour, or more not less complicated, more complex, which is not a bad thing. I love complexity in a pour, and it's all it's just almost like it's like when you almost like you gotta figure it out. Something else kind of pops up on the palate, and you're like, hold on, like what, like what is that? But like, I mean, like like uh, Ace said, you definitely get like like heavy butter on the nose, like yeah. The nose is really it, interesting. I haven't even yeah, like, sniffed it. <laughs> the thing is, like with the nose, you get butter, but if you like just like if you sniff like a little bit longer, something else is in there. Mm -hmm. Like almost like a maybe like a dill or something. I actually do get a little the dill. But it's like it's like it's deep in there. Like it's yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of the, the of the grassy rye. Yes, the grass it? is there. Yep, the I, I smell gr the green. Rye, the rye. Yes, it's yeah. like an interesting because you get butter and then you get this like fresh kind of green grass. Right. 
which is you know interesting because butter is like usually fat and rich and then you get this fresh perspective hey so take your sip and be sip more it, be more confused <laughs> okay <laughs> like so like when i did a review like just a highlight on this a while back i i ended up having to take multiple sips because i could not figure out what i wanted to say about it and i've given it to other friends that have stopped by and they've been confused and they're kind of hit or miss they either love it or they really don't like it uh because I, I guess just because of how unique it is and 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 depending on what they've had i think that also throws throws off what what they think about it you know what and, and you know when, when we did this you know i i told uh the brand manager and and things i said this is this this is going to be a polarizing four you know, it, it, it's people are going to love it or hate it. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, you know, we do, uh, we, it, you know, the Yellowstone select is, you know, kind of that middle of the road, you know, great for whatever. And this one is, uh, definitely, uh, a, a signature, you know, a mark on that. To me, this almost doesn't even taste like a bourbon. Like I, I get more like more more rye than that, and it's like there's so much. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I apologize. Go ahead. No, I was just like thinking like there's so much like going on that signature kind of spice that we were talking about earlier. That's still there, so that 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 kind of cuts through everything. The sweet is like it's like it's less sweet than than I would expect it to be. And more almost like like I keep going back to like like a mesquite if that makes sense like something it's like something like mm-hmm. kind of smoky about it mm-hmm. hey I saw the head tilt a lot there is this finished on like uh is, this is just um, like built in an American bur- oh, oh yeah yeah first yeah. fill wow it's, wow it's, yeah I'm still like just trying to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what's your thoughts up there? You're 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 quiet. You're thinking. I'm taking it all in. I definitely thought it was going to be a little bit sweeter, though. Um, I like the sweetness up front, but um, you know that that rye spice just kind of it's the one thing that I can put my finger on, and it just kind of stays through the whole way. Um, pretty quick finish, though. I thought it was going to hang around a little bit longer than it did, but yeah. Honestly, this pour is so complex to me that I this could, could I need, probably I need, also need more. What do you say? I said I definitely need more. Like this, this pour right here is not gonna yeah. determine. Yeah, yeah I, I was gotta, thinking this would be this might be even better in a cocktail. It's the proofed up a little bit and it's so complex, there's so many different like layers to it. Yeah, like you add a little bit of smoke to it too. Yeah. I, I yeah. get a lot of like tobacco in the palate, mm. honestly. That's probably what I I said mosquito. Yeah, probably that tobacco. Yeah, yeah. tobacco. Kind of. I feel like I'm chewing. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this, this is what this is what this is one of those pores where it's like, like you said, people are either going to love it or hate it. To me, right. it's like it's it's a it's a pour that's not it's not it wouldn't be an everyday pour for me, but it'd be something where it's like you know I have a couple of like open bottles where like someone comes over, I'm like, hey. You haven't had anything like this. You, you got to try this, like you know, it's because it, it, it's good. Like you know, at the end of the day, like I like being able to pick, like pick through pores, and like, right. this is what gives, it gives you an opportunity to do that. Where it's like, and then like 
I, I could see it like you you ask five different people and they all give you five different tastes of notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much that's what's happened with my friends. They've all been confused. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? What'd you do that for? And I'm like, I like it. Like I for some reason it gets my taste buds right. But for them, they were like, oh, I don't know. I had one just continue to yell at me. So. <laughs> hey, controversy is not always bad. Yeah, like I said, if you let it open up for about 10 or 15 minutes, it changes as well. So. Well, then that means we need to ask more questions while we let this open. No. <laughs> so what was it like launching Limestone Branch and getting into the business? Well, because I was totally oblivious, it was, it was pretty easy, not easy, but it was, uh, you know, I had no idea what I was getting into, honestly, at the point. Uh, I knew what I wanted to do, but there, was, there weren't a lot of models at that time. You know, in when I, 2008, when I started looking into getting into this, you know, there weren't a lot of craft distilleries. Uh, yeah, there, so there wasn't a lot of models to go by and, and uh, equipment was hard to find on that scale. Everything was geared toward the big distilleries. Very little was geared in the US anyway to, to smaller distilleries. So, uh, you know, we, I had to learn about distillation, which I read every single book I could find on distillation and uh, went to seminars, went to, uh, uh, had different friends who, uh, had stills that may or may not have been legal. And, uh, <laughs> but at the scale, you know, at a smaller scale, you know, because it was, uh, you get the, uh, you know, you get the people from the bigger distilleries and they were like, well, you push this button or you do this, that, whatever. but it's not the same as, you know, when you're doing 150 gallon still. Yeah, completely. It's completely different, you know, so uh, so I have one of the best, the best help I had many, many people help. So can't really say, but the uh, guy named Sherman Owen and he was uh, his family had been moonshiners and he's he was brilliant. He's a brilliant guy and knew everything about distilling inside and out and at that scale. And uh, he was able to really helped me out a lot and, and, and get me going. And, uh, mm. but we designed, you know, I just really myself and, uh, and my uh, architect, we designed the building from the ground up to be to be the distillery. So built it from the ground up, uh, broke ground mid May. And by November, the, we were open waiting on our, uh, permits. So, it was uh, wow. kind, of, kind wow. of a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy hell. And you, you mentioned right. moonshining. Didn't you make a little bit of moonshine at the beginning too? Yeah, we did. You know, we wanted to make uh, something to keep the lights on, you know, at uh, so a clear spirit. And uh, moonshine was kind of having a moment back in 2012 or so. Um, and so we were doing what we called a, a traditional sugar shine, which is really an interesting product. And I, I tried some kind of a bottle the other day, uh, 
put back and I tried something and I was like, you know, I kind of forgot how that, that was really good stuff. <laughs> it really, really was. Uh, but uh, it was a cold process. We did not uh, cook a mash. So we boiled, you know, the water with the sugar, melted the sugar, and then poured it in on top of the corn. So the corn never really cooked. Huh. And oh, wow. we weren't using the corn for the starch conversion because we were using cane sugar. Oh wow. So all the all the alcohol was being made from the cane sugar and the corn was there, gave nutrients to the yeast, and as it broke down and we used the corn three or four times, uh it, as it broke down it would give in part a, a slight real light corn flavor to it. And uh it, it was a great product. It's called Sugar Shine. And, uh, and you don't make it anymore? We don't make that anymore. Man, you just got to really be excited. A, yeah. It's really a pain pain to make. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's what we did in, uh, in the early days. And we always made some bourbon, you know, a little bit, but uh, because that is what, our, what we wanted our focus to be. But, um, you know, we had to keep the doors open. And uh, unfortunately, bourbon takes time. Yes. So what do you, what would you say? I'm just thinking about you going back and saying how you, you know, you, you got the, you know, you, you, you got Yellowstone back for the family. So when you, when you first launched, uh, I guess the Yellowstone select was the the first one that you launched, correct? Correct. Okay. So what was the, I guess, like the feedback, you know, like, was it like kind of immediate, like immediate where people were like, Holy hell, this is good, or is it kind of like a slow roll? It, it was definitely a slow roll. Slow roll. Uh, you know, it wasn't, we didn't have as many people following bourbon quite back then as, as yeah. we do now. So it was a little bit slower to get things out. Um, one of the things that hurt kind of in the beginning too is uh, the, the liquor stores all put it behind the shelves, you know, behind mm. the bar. It's like behind the, counter it's like yeah. this isn't a behind the counter bourbon you know this is you know put it out there <laughs> yeah it's a show fee right so we did a limited edition now that you know that's a more limited you know uh sought after but this one you know is just a workhorse bourbon which is you know i love select i think you know i think it a workhorse it, bourbon i like that term. i like yeah, that i like know. that term too. yeah workhorse yeah. yes you know it's great for behind the bar because you can you know make a cocktail serve it neat on the rocks just easy where did the turn happen to where you know you, you gain some a good enough popularity to where you say okay we can start you know, we worked really hard for you know four or five mm-hmm. years you know just laying down the groundwork and building it you know slowly but surely and we built a really uh firm base and then you know uh i'm not gonna lie the show helped a lot as well we were already you know growing a, a quick growing brand and then the the uh show through a through you know uh uh, gas on the fire, but you know it wouldn't have been that way had we not worked so hard yeah. and had that out in the market where people could actually just go out and buy uh, it. Yeah, you know if we had to build it after the fact, it would have been uh, you know 
a lot more difficult, but it was just kind of one of those serendipitous things that happened, you know, it wasn't planned or, uh, you know, so that's really cool. It worked out that's well, great. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things happen for a reason. And I mean, I, I guess in some instances, it was probably good that you were able to build it back up instead of a quick rise. Cause you I mean, heaven forbid it goes wrong, then you're in trouble. Right. So to build it up over time, you yeah. kind of can hone in on, on things and then, when the moment happened, you guys were ready. Right. Yeah. No, we did, you know, like I said, build it up over time and, and watch, you know, make sure the quality's right and all the limited editions. You know, I've worked really hard on those and uh, now they've, they've grown to, grown a great following as well. Uh, used to be when uh, Yellowstone Limited Edition, you know, the first couple of years came out, you know, it would sit on, on the shelf for several months and, you know, you could find one. You know, you know, four months, five months after it came out. Now they disappear right away. So mm. uh, that tells you, you know, just speaks for itself right there. Yeah, I will say I just went back to this pour. Like you said, it opens up after ten or fifteen minutes. Yep. I won't say it's completely different, but it's it's pretty different. Like it's, it's like pretty different. Little, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little bit more mellow in the front. It's sweeter in the middle. And you still get that round on the back, but it's definitely it's it changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you completely right. It's like now I've been just like pouring it, and yeah. it's like actually really good. Yeah, I was like, oh okay, wow, and it does really open up. So yeah, really wow. do open up your whiskey. It's crazy. Yeah, because yeah. it was very tobacco, but then the tobacco is there, but just kind of towards in the Faint. like kind of just an undertone, like always continuous there. Yeah. But it's good. So just a question then. So are you guys, you know, since the bourbon market, so I joined the, well, I've been in the bourbon kind of, uh, you know, I've been drinking bourbon for about 10 we years see your, now. We see your background. Market, we see the background. <laughs> <laughs> the market has changed completely. I mean, so, and then in anticipation towards future demand, how are you guys in terms of, uh, you know, like, are you guys planning to be able to meet the demand? Because I've heard so many distilleries that are saying we can't we can't meet the demand. The demand is like you know we, we have supply problem, just getting you know grains or even just oak at this point, or even labor. So how, yeah. how are you guys kind of dealing with that whole thing? You know right now? that uh, helps with us. I think with you know the partnership with Luxco. And now MGPI, you know, where uh, the supply chains, we've not had issues with our supply chain. And uh, and we have a great crew, dedicated crews down in Lebanon. So uh, allows me to be out doing things uh, like this. But uh, yeah, so that we, we haven't really had an issue with. That said, you know, we went from making, you know, a barrel Gosh, back when we, in 2015, we were probably making a barrel a week. Hmm. And uh, then when oh, Luxco, wow. yeah, then when Luxco <laughs> came came uh, into the scene, we were making a barrel a day in the beginning. Hmm. And uh, then we uh, went up to two barrels a day, increased our production. And then uh, we did, did another expansion about a year and a half ago where we're up to we have the capacity to do about 10 barrels a day. We're doing about seven barrels a day. Wow. So, uh, and, you know, and that's, that's a great 
place for us to be, and we probably won't ever at that rate won't meet you know the the man, and uh, and that's okay. So, are you still considered a craft distillery? You know, craft distilleries are you know that term is so yeah. What's the what's the definition, uh, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but. I, I like to say, you know, we're more of a boutique distillery, you know, and uh, we obviously with Yellowstone uh, Select, uh, that's a blend of sourced from uh, Luxco stocks and uh, ours. And uh, so with those numbers, there's no way we'd, we would be craft. If you take what we uh, are actually mm-hmm. distilling, and selling, you know, then we're, we kind of fall into that craft. Uh, so I, th- I think we're kind of a hybrid and, uh, uh, but every, everything is well crafted and well intent, you know, intentional and uh, hands-on. And I, I, like I said, I think more of a, a boutique uh, distillery more so than maybe craft. Okay. I, I, I like that because you do have that partnership with Lexco. And for those that don't know, that's, they also do Lux Row. They now kind of have MGP. They, you know, as, as things have, have changed in the market. So I, I, I love that. I did have to ask, what's it like working with your brother? Uh, I feel like that could be interesting. <laughs> oh, my, my brother and I get along really well. So it's, uh, uh, it, it, we've not had any issues working together. Actually, Paul is, uh, Paul is a, a, a people person and loves to talk and go out and talk. So when we were early on, he would go out in the, the, the field with the distributors and, and talk. <laughs> and I'd stay and work. <laughs> so that, that doesn't sound fun. That sounds like there's no family feuds coming in the future. You know, I don't know yeah. if family feud split. Uh, so that that worked out well but he he did what he you know he did great and that's a lot of work too it's not easy you know people but what he did was was a lot of work out in the field because i do that now as well it's um you know a lot of work but i enjoyed you know the hands-on the distilling part which was also a lot of work but uh when you're doing what you're enjoying it's really it it takes the work out of it yeah yeah, and we designed the distillery in Lebanon. I did pick that spot, designed the building, you know, to be light and open and airy, uh, because it was someplace I knew I was going to spend a lot of time, and I wanted to enjoy going there. And if you ever get down to the distillery and, and check it out, I think you'll you can get that vibe. Everybody always tells me they get that vibe, and I said, well, I'm glad. I I wanted to have a place that I enjoyed coming to, and hopefully other people as well. I like that. Any That's other awesome. questions before we slowly work our way on wrapping this up? No, not, not for me. Not for me. Um, thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for yeah, this, sharing this. This year four so. is, is crazy. So I, I, I appreciate a good complex pour. This, this, this is good for my Yeah, time. well, it, like I said, it just changes so much Correct. with time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you are in line. <laughs> and it just makes me think like maybe I should look for the selects again because I don't really see it here the, the Atlanta yeah the Atlanta market because I love us 
as somewhat of a connoisseur, I would say at this point, um, I look for this type of whiskeys where it just it's a little bit different. Um, I mean, of course, I do have my workhorse bourbon, but yeah. I look for this bourbon, like Already. this kind of bottle. Yeah. So this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start using it. The, the family <laughs> recipe is uh, is gonna be is is gonna be kind of scarce because we only did about 36,000 bottles. So mm -hmm. not a lot of, not a lot when you spread it out everywhere. Um, but, uh, but it is out there and we'll be, we'll be out there. And so, you know, since a lot of people don't know it, it will, uh, you know, should be around. And then I will say, if you ever get the, uh, you see the, okay. the Yellowstone barrel picks, the black label with the yeah. red Yellowstone, yeah. those are always awesome. And, uh, yeah. And those are picked very unique picked by the, the 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 vendor who comes to the distillery and they're able to pick uh kind of like what i did with the the yellowstone select where you get the uh you do the right proof so they get to choose between 102 109 or 115 and they get three barrels at 102 109 or 115 and we actually proof it down to that so it's not you know add a couple drops of water and kind of guess we proof it down for them. They're able to sample through those. So they have nine different samples and, huh. and then actually hone in to what is the best. There you go. I like that. <laughs> what is the best proof? And uh, everybody comes in thinking they want the 115 because it's the high proof. Everybody's conditioned to that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you'd be surprised at how many 109s come out. About They're actually split about evenly between the 109 and 115. And 102 is definitely less, but there are a number of 102s that go out as well. I was going to say, D yeah, and uh, Chris had a, a nice face there when you were talking about the yeah. points. <laughs> yeah, because like it, it's, it's funny because I was just talking uh, to someone about this last week where like, I'm not the type of person, like, I, I, love a, I love a good high proofer, but in the day when it comes to something that I'm, I'm going to sip on like continuously, it's somewhere in that like 107 to like 112 range usually like there's something where i just kind of go back to over and over throughout the night it's usually in that range so the high proofers are they're they're fun they're cool but usually i get like one or two pours i'm like okay i can't i can't keep drinking this <laughs> yeah honestly that's about where i'm at as well in that uh you know 110 107 112 right in yeah. there yeah i think yeah now, now for my, my final question, as we wrap all this up, unless anyone has any, any, any other questions, any other questions, last call. I'm good. Yeah. All right. So what, what's coming down the line that you can talk about future releases, any other fun projects like the family recipe, any, anything limited edition that you can tell us and not get in trouble for. Well, you know, we do have a different limit, a limited edition each year. So, uh, yeah, you know, th those will have to stand by and see. We're developing them as we speak. But the um, uh, we are we do have a weeded bourbon that will be coming oh. down the pike at some point. Uh, oh, wow. It's still probably not, I would say, three years away because we want to do it at six years. You know, we didn't release anything at four. Everything's six. Uh, and it came from another family recipe. It came out of Mike Dance daily notepad that he had and he had a uh, 30 uh, uh, 
20, 28% wheat. So it's 28% wheat, 60% corn, 12% malt. And so that's a really high weeded bourbon. That's a rolling. Uh, you know, yeah. one, one of the higher. Yeah. And, and high malt too, at 12% yeah. malt. Yeah. You know. I want that. Is, I want that. Yeah, malt is, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, we I just both said we want that. That's it. <laughs> I was just saying the, the malt is uh, an expensive component to bourbon. And if you look at older bourbons, they always had, you, you had to have at least about 10% malt in order to get a conversion, the, the right starch conversion mm. in the corn. So older mash bills are going to be 10% malt or, or a little bit more. The malt is also the most expensive component of the mash bill. So when the modern day uh, made the came the availability of enzymes, you know, the enzymes that were produced, instead of using malt to make malt. the conversion, people drop that malt back. So that's why you're getting, you know, 5% malts now, yeah. because you would not get a complete conversion at 5% unless you were mm -hmm. using uh you know not synthetic but uh produced enzymes Interesting. Produced i did not enzymes. know that at all i did not know that yeah wow huh. so, any, so anything saying, yeah anything less than 10% is a new 10% uh, malt is a newer mash bill so are you saying that with with this weeded bourbon you are not using it Enzymes you're using a high malt percentage. We still use some enzyme just to Give actually to ensure it, just kind of insurance, yeah. you know, uh, make sure, yeah. make sure there's an investment, there's the an right, investment, you know, yeah, right. But we still do use the, the 12 percent, uh, okay. malt, so you uh -huh. still get that malty flavor, interesting, much. yeah. That, that sounds delicious, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did not know that. And when did that all started with the whole enzymes when you're saying like old Nashville? Like yeah, beef. you know, I'm not sure when uh, commercial enzymes were available, but I would yeah. say probably 40s or 50s, maybe 50s. I know okay. my grandfather was a traditionalist. He didn't like any of that stuff. And uh, he, uh, he, I think he worked in just about every distillery in Kentucky after Prohibition because he made, dad, my dad said he made bourbon one way, his way, and if anybody didn't like it, he just quit, left, went someplace else. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of hard-headed, but uh, it, it, it uh, no, he, he, he knew, he, he was old school, and he was going to do it the way he, he, he was taught and the way he wanted to do it. I just tried Googling when uh, first enzyme contained detergent was introduced I can't, I can't find commercial enzymes. I, I tried to do a quick Google search and it, it didn't work. So, sorry. But we learned something. We oh, learned 1974. 1974, oh. okay. Later than I thought. Yeah. Okay. Discovered in the 1960s, but it went commercial in 1974. Yeah. So it's probably late 70s, you know, before it started getting adopted, I would say. Yeah. Interesting, wow. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Wow. But yeah. you know, people talk about 
older whiskeys yes. and you know how they differ than the, the yes. you know that's that is definitely one of one of the components yes. oh, yeah like, yes. it's like they, they have such a, <laughs> a, a crazy different flavor profile like it's just like those like bourbons from even even the 90s the 80s like it's just it, it just tastes so different even with like lower proofs like you can get a 86 proof and it just tastes so so much so much so much more complex so much more flavorful than like an 86 proof today you know definitely and see that's what we we do here we we learn we 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 enjoy and 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 steven i i appreciate this the panel the flight night i'm so glad we all are back together this has been a lot of fun and I thank you all and uh, cheers everyone. Yeah. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Thank, thank you for you. having me. I appreciate it. And I just like to invite everybody, you know, to come out to the distillery, visit us at uh, limestone branch, limestonebranch.com and, and our land and come down to Lebanon and visit our the distillery. You got a deal. <laughs>